the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) We are so pumped to have you back on Flex Success Coach Chelsea. Welcome. Thank you. I'm pumped to be back. This is what, podcast number three for you on the Flex podcast? I think so, yeah. Cool. Mm. And they only get better. No pressure. Yeah. They don't say third time's a charm. <laughs> Not in this instance. They've all been good. Yeah. Now, so much has happened with you since you've been on the podcast last. You bought your first house. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I know. It's huge. Before, we were living in a one-bedroom apartment for throughout the whole pandemic. So now it's a huge change to have multiple rooms multiple (laughs) bathrooms yeah it's much better and I bet your two dogs appreciate the extra play space yes very much (laughs) if if we were searching for Chelsea's place to holiday in not that we're holidaying but people think we are yeah it would say that it was cozy ah so yes Chelsea we have learned how to read between the lines when it comes to describing accommodation Mm. and cozy means a shoebox rustic Mm. means old and rusty yeah. um, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's, it means it's got work so we would have described your one bedroom apartment as cozy That's, i'm sure rustic is the same as the purchaser's version of um a renovator's delight renovator's delight yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, don't and you have also competed since we uh, had you on the podcast last too yeah, I competed in two different competitions. So the first one was uh, more of a regional competition. And so I was lucky enough to win that and then qualify for the NPC national show. And so I think that was a few weeks later and I went there and I placed sixth in my class. And I was very excited because I haven't actually competed on a national stage in the US before. And just backstage was like, it was so cool. There were like 300 bikini girls that everybody was looked deserving of winning. And like, it was just cool to see so many other people um, that put in so much work just as I have. And that had like all the same passion. So it, yeah, it was a really cool experience. So there were 300 girls. Um, in the bikini category total, but then there are different height classes. Right. God, cool. that's so many. How long did that division take? Yeah. For, forever. I was still getting my makeup done. I hadn't actually started my makeup when the first class went on, which was very nerve wracking, <laughs> but I uh, made it in time. With the federation that you competed in, do you have to get your tan by this company, your makeup by this company, your hair by this one? No? No. Okay. No, but it makes it easier. It was... um you know, it wasn't in my same state. So I didn't really have any connections there. So I just went with whatever they had. Yeah. yeah. NPC is like the, the amateur name for what we would classify as the amateur IFBB in Australia. Right. Okay. So it's a big, big federation. The nationals is huge in America. Mm. So how come you decided to compete again? Um, you know what? I don't know if I actually like made the decision. I, I started working with the coach again, just because so for a while I was handling all my own like training and nutrition. And then I, I just really wanted to see what my body was capable of. So I, I hired a coach that I was working with and we did like a whole building season and then it just came time like to cut. And then there were just shows that kind of fit in there if we just extended it. So um, I don't know if I actually made the exact decision, but it just, it went there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so cool. I, I find the process so cool. Like just to like actually see how much, um, how much improvement that I've made and 
I was very pleasantly surprised that, you know, I, I looked a lot different from when I competed in 2020. Did you find that approach less stressful, not having a specific date until kind of towards the end? What, being like 52 weeks out, 51 weeks out, 50 weeks <laughs> yeah, out? Yeah, like, you know, so, I've made a cut, I've done a cut, oh, I actually look really good. Hey, there's a show in 12 weeks, I can make that. Like, as opposed hmm. to the, the typical, like, I want to compete in 12 months or 18 months, and then you do this amount of time for a cut, I'll build and this amount of time for a cut. Uh, yes and no, and only because I've pretty much only have done it this way right, because okay. there's so many shows here that like, we don't have to like make a certain show. You, if I didn't make this, that first regional show, I could have competed the next weekend somewhere else relatively close. Yeah, so, true. yeah. American I, but, but also like, I kind of like having a, a time frame too, because you know, you could always be just a little bit better or, you know, if you make a mistake, oh, we can just extend it a week. And I think that can just get a little bit taxing on your mindset. Like, okay, like let's, let's When is it. this over? Yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. And also for the partner. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm prepping in 12 weeks. You're like, damn it. I think that's something a lot of people forget how hard it is on the support system. I still think you need to make that Facebook group. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Partners of competitors. How does yeah. Derek um, handle it? Does he, does your relationship change? Luckily, Derek is also a personal trainer and coach himself. So, and he has also competed in one bodybuilding show in his life. So he understands. Um, yeah, he is a huge support to me. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it's really good that I have him. He, um, he will still eat the same foods that he likes to eat, which a lot of times is pizza and tacos. Those are his favorite foods. So he'll either have those foods when he knows I'm not going to be home. I know he's ate them in the car before coming in the house. <laughs> like he's, he's a huge help. And then, you know, when I'm not feeling my best, he just helps me like look at myself objectively and like helps just remind me how far I've come because as you guys know, like as you're on a weight loss journey, you're not always seeing things objectively in yourself as somebody else could. So yeah, he was, he was a huge help and like not putting any pressure on me to, um, you know, go any place or be anywhere because, um, I'm already type a, but during a comp prep, like my schedule is my schedule and it takes a lot for me to change it. So for me to like, to fit in all the cardio and movement that I had to do, it just meant that like, I couldn't really do many social events, even if, you know, even if I brought my food, I just wouldn't have time to actually do those things. Yeah, so. totally. Cause I know from working with you, what's it been like two years now? I know something like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, you have an immaculate level of detail, like attention to detail is what I'm trying to say. And that doesn't seem to change regardless of how much you have going on. Sometimes when people are doing five things in a day, as soon as they take on the sixth thing, attention to detail goes out the window, but not with you. So I can imagine that you found the process like exciting and great, but also exhausting. Correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know me. <laughs> There's that nod of approval. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, Liz ain't a Derek. <laughs> she's eating right in my face and asking me if I want something but you're not a Chelsea no like, I'm you not. are fine with it yeah, that's, that's like if, if it really hurt you of course I would eat pizza in the car I reckon you'd do it. no I no, wouldn't I'm just trying to make you out to be an absolute devil woman. <laughs> but actually what we want to talk about today um, is ways to help people be consistent to the plan or improve improve adherence and um, I know that after your competition, which we just spoke about, you kind of struggled with consistency and adherence to a plan. 
And not only do you understand the theory of what we're going to talk about, you also understand the application because these were things that you usually find easy, but at a point in time, because of where you were with your body fat and the psychological drivers to eat, you had to put your money where your mouth is, was, what's the saying? You know what it is. You, you know, you had to actually implement what you're teaching people because you no longer found it easy. Right. Yeah. I think, well, the biggest thing is, is that the, the goal has changed because with the competition, there's obviously a show date. And then once you're past the show date, you're no longer working to get on stage. Now, now what's next? Um, and I think for me, like I was very, very clear. I was very happy with competing. I had so much fun, but as soon as it was over, like there were so many other things in my life I wanted to do. So like we hadn't gone out to eat in months. Um, we haven't really like properly celebrated moving into our new house and like just so many things to celebrate. Plus it was um, middle of summer here and I live in a place where we only get the sunshine for a short amount of time and sunshine means a lot to me. So I wanted to go out and celebrate. So um, what kind of happened is that the scales shifted too much because I was on such low calories for myself and so, um, so much high cardio that I was still doing those. I was still, you know, eating my base meals and I was still doing my required cardio to kind of get out of the competition shape, but all the weight just came back on faster than I expected. And I've competed before and I knew this was going to happen, but you know, as, as you're in it, I think it's sometimes hard just to like step outside of yourself and actually be objective with what's happening and instead just kind of let your emotions take over. And, and mine definitely did. So I still, you know, to be fair, I still kept up all my habits, but it was just that I was eating more treats or maybe staying up later or not getting my water in. And so not all of it was necessarily fat gain, but it all showed up on the scale in that way. And it was a little disheartening because, you know, you put in all of this work, obviously you don't want to stay stage lean and that's not the goal, but coloring back so fast was a little bit um, of a challenge mentally. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there's enough stock put in it because you spend... 20 30 weeks for some people even longer heading towards a particular goal and then you're immediately expected to reverse your thought pattern around what is now classified as successful each week mm. and it's kind or of even like, where you put your focus each week yeah it's but it's like having like you know this this cake that you've built up over time and it gets really nice and juicy and, and nice and then as you finish, no one's ever described wait, a I'm case as juicy no right okay it's, it's delicious let's just say it's delicious <laughs> and Fluffy? moist okay moist it's cake. a moist cake <laughs> and then you instead of getting to eat you have to watch it just slowly crumble through your hands week after week after week and you're just kind of like what the fuck man i worked so hard for that mm. and then it just it's juicy cake and everyone's like but it's okay this is why you did it yeah you know? you're like eh. yeah mm. okay yeah, I guess I always just want to be a good example to my clients um, on how to reverse out of a diet and things. So I think that also got in my head, like, oh, I don't want to appear that like I can't even do what I'm practicing, like what I'm preaching, everybody. Um, but now I'm in a much better place. Um, you know, every single week I, I just try to look at things more objectively, like compare my photos to the last time I was this weight. I already look, I look better. Um, all my clothes fit again. So like that's a plus. Um, for a while, like pinning your, I, I don't buy new clothes. I just like pin things because I'm only stage lean for such a short amount of time anyway. Um, 
yeah. So, so things are much better now. And I'm like feeling good. I think looking at things outside of just like my physical appearance. Um, so like how I'm feeling, I'm like so energetic these days. Like I don't need coffee anymore. I'm, you know, like everything's just my brain's back. I think one of my clients, as soon as I was done and kind of eating again, he's like, Oh, so you're going to have a personality again? Because yeah. I guess just for a while, it was just counting reps and that was it. So, so yeah. Yeah, well, I said the same thing to Dean um, because your personality, like, you know, fades over time. And. But also, there's a lot of internal dialogue you're having as the competitor. Like or you think you're doing all right. You're like, I'm doing all right here. Or you might be like having a conversation that isn't happening out loud that you think is like solidifying that you feel okay, that you're behaving okay, that you're performing okay, but you're still mute. Well, okay is not optimal, is it? Because No, but my point is, is that you have this internal dialogue that makes you think you're doing very well. Okay. But in actual application, you're just a mute individual that's saying nothing. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas you're having great conversations. You know, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> insulted anyone. This is great. It's like, yeah, you also haven't said a word. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> We went to, I, I told Derek that I like, didn't feel like I had enough like laughter or like playfulness in my life, which obviously you don't near the show. So we went to a comedy show. <laughs> he kept looking over at me. Then at the end, he's like, you did not even smile. <laughs> he's like, I thought maybe it was just because you were a woman. You didn't find it attractive or like funny. And then he looks around. He's like, no, there's women laughing. Maybe it's your age. Like that wasn't it. He's like, you just. <laughs> did you find wrong. it funny? No. I didn't think oh. any of it was funny. Oh, oh so you were actually dead. <laughs> oh, dead I thought you were going to say you found it funny that you didn't have the no. energy to laugh. No, it was like none of, but it, it was, I know it was funny just at the time. Like, yeah, it was, it was challenging. <laughs> Life is so hard. Comedy isn't even funny anymore. <laughs> that's when you know, that's when you know you're near calm. So, so was there a moment then, Chelsea, that you could pinpoint where you sort of turned it around or is it more like just the accumulation of those good behaviours that you started to sort of... I think also, I think mostly time. Like at first I was just feeling like a failure that, oh, like this much weight has been put on this week and it doesn't seem to be coming off. Oh, this week, here's another pound up or something. But now it's like, a, it's far enough away from show that, you know, I should be at this, in my opinion, I should be at this weight anyway so what that I got there quicker, but at least I'm holding it. It's like, I'm not, I'm not like going the wrong way. You haven't exceeded, yeah. 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 I mean, I do think it's a common experience for, cause you mentioned before, like you felt like you were a bit of a failure, you know, you couldn't implement the things that you were telling your clients to do, or, you know, you might not have wanted to voice that because you might not have seemed maybe like, I don't know, like these were the problems that you're helping your clients with and you have these problems too. Hmm. I think that actually makes a better coach because you can relate and it's mm -hmm. like a personal trainer who's never lifted, lifted weights before trying to teach someone how to lift weights. Like you've got to do the thing. So not only do you understand the theory, like you've been there, you've been in the hole and you've pulled yourself out. So I think it's really cool that, not that you've just been there, but you're able to admit it and you're able to like kind of get on your client. Yeah. Yeah. Good perspective. Thanks. Yeah, what are some of the things that you found helped with consistency to a plan or adherence? Right, so I think first off, like consistency isn't the same as being perfect. So just kind of throwing away that all or nothing mindset. Um, there's always gonna be like roadblocks, I guess. Like if you think of your fat loss journey, say as um, 
like a road trip, there's always going to be red lights or accidents along the way, but at the end, you're still going to get there, even if, you know, it takes you an extra hour. And that's kind of the same thing that happens along, along your uh, fitness journey throughout your whole life. So just knowing that like one single event isn't going to derail your long-term uh, progress. So I think that's the first thing. Cause I, I think when people think consistently that they consistency, they mean they think a hundred percent or nothing. And there's definitely a range as we know. Um, so after getting past that, I would say um, just have a strong driver as to why you're doing this, because if you don't have like something that you're like, that's really important to you, like losing two, like losing five kilos or losing 10 pounds, like sounds great, but it seems like a lot of times people always have this excuse. Um, so unless you have like a reason how your life is going to change, how your life will be better once you've um, lost this weight, how your relationships will uh, improve, how maybe your work performance will improve. Um, it's hard to stick to it when things get tough and no matter what, what time of year it is, um, there's always something that's going to kind of come up that is going to make it challenging. Mm. I like that question though. Like, why am I doing this? Because if people can't answer it, maybe the answer is I shouldn't be like, mm. I want to lose five kilos because I don't know, weight loss is pushed on me by social media. So that's a great question. Yeah. And it needs to be meaningful enough to actually have enough oomph behind it, I suppose, to continue to drive the behaviors that may otherwise like be a little bit more difficult to sustain, mm. you know? Yeah. You know, maybe the answer, um, is really meaningful and like you said when those challenges do come up it's like well how does this tie to a value like I value hard work and right now I need to put that value into practice because it feels like hard work right now mm. yeah mm. absolutely yeah or I value friendships where I can smile and laugh yeah <laughs> you know I would imagine that you would value being a provider of friendship to Chelsea knowing you like you don't want to be, I think, like the passenger in a friendship, but rather you want your friends to feel like you're there for them. And then when you start to realize your personality's out the corner, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I need to try and get back to normal a bit quicker because I didn't realize how much of an impact this was having on me and my friends. Mm. Whereas mm -hmm. I'm quite happy just being nobody's friend. <laughs> <laughs> Dean doesn't need many friends. It's true. Okay, cool. So, um, so ask okay. yourself the question. And keep that in mind when things get difficult. And if you can't answer the question, maybe the answer is I shouldn't. Mm. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's, you, it's not perfection. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um kind of setting yourself up for for failure if you're not, if you're not really clear on why you're doing it, because it's easy then to just when you're at a fun event or you're out to dinner or something, it's easy just to say, ah, like not really think about your goals in the moment unless you have something that's really drawing you to it. Mm. And then you then you kind of get in that guilty cycle then you wake up in the morning and you're like oh why did I do that last night I'm going to restrict today and it's just that ongoing cycle so I think having that strong driver is really important mm -hmm. um and then okay so just past that then how to stay consistent it seems obvious but not many people do it on their own at least is just to have a plan on how to track your consistency okay because without actually having something objective it's really easy to think oh I've been what I hear a lot. I've been really good this week. Like, what does that mean? Um, yeah. Like, have you had your, have you met your protein target? How many days this week? Like, oh, I, I think maybe so like what having a plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I recommend is um, having something visual. So if you do work in an office or if you're in a certain room of your house for a lot of the time of the day, like having a calendar 
and actually writing in maybe the two or three things that are the most important for you to complete every day. So like, for example, like your, you know, your movement, say you want to hit 10,000 steps just arbitrarily um, and your protein target, and maybe you'll highlight it in green or I don't know, even have a sticker that you put up there, it, like sounds silly, but once you can see it all right in front of you, um, it's really helpful to kind of continue on because you're seeing that you've already had a streak and nobody likes to break a streak. Yeah, there's some habit tracker apps out there. Like if someone wants to use a highlighter or stickers on a calendar, like <laughs> knock yourself out. Um, but if, yeah, someone wants like a digital app, there's just Google habit tracker apps that are out there. Mm -hmm. Similarly, it's a lot very important that we realize that you don't need to have 100% green highlighters oh, no. on this. Yeah, but it's just as a, a reminder to individuals because mm. it's, it's really easy to get caught up on that one red highlighter if you decided to be like that to yourself, which I wouldn't recommend. I don't know about you girls, but no, I wouldn't read it if I didn't get it done. What, what do you mean? Like, as in, like, you know, you're going to go green for success. I, I did this today. You don't want to go and red highlight anything you missed as a reminder of what you didn't do. You would just leave it blank. Just leave it blank. Okay. Move it <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you can take a long-term view and just see the see the calendar or, or app in front of you and be like, oh, okay, out of the month, I have more greens than not greens. Mm. <laughs> than blanks. So you, yeah, than blanks. Um, and then, because it's, it's all, um, consistency is just what you do on average. It's not you know, that one meal doesn't make a big difference. That one day isn't going to make a big difference. But if you let that fall into a pattern, you know, you have one bad meal. So then the next day you feel bad. So you have a, you know, a bad breakfast, or maybe you even skip breakfast. And then it just kind of perpetuates. That's what we want to stop is um, that one event turning into a pattern. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know um, a saying that you love from the Atomic Habits book is never miss twice. Mm -hmm. So okay, yeah. you've missed a workout yesterday, just don't miss it today. Because then yesterday turns into today, which turns into tomorrow and turns into a new habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Snowball. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And that becomes your new consistency, which is the polar opposite of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So all of this stuff, I feel like, is such good advice. And I wonder if listeners are sitting there going, yeah, that all makes sense. But they might not actually be like putting it into practice. Because even though things are simple, that doesn't mean that it's easy. So maybe some advice we could give is like out of the things you've spoken about, perhaps we can summarize them, choose one. Choose what do you want to do? Do you want to track your habits? Do you want to shake off the all or nothing mindset? What were the other things you gave? Having an actual plan. Having an actual plan. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to eat exactly 73 grams of broccoli, but it could be like, I'm going to include vegetables in every meal, mm. like a flexible plan like that. Just mm -hmm. choose one. Um, yeah. What do you think, Dean? What else have we got, Charles? Any, any other tips? Tons of tips. <laughs> I'm, I'm not at a loss for tips. Um, but yeah, I think that, Another thing is just like having a plan, but then also having a plan for when the plan fails. Plan B. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, things are not going to go right. Say you had planned um, out, say on Sunday night, you had planned out all of your meals. Maybe you meal prepped and have things like ready to go. But then Tuesday comes and you're, you woke up late and you forgot to grab the food out of the fridge when you went. So now what do you do? Do you just go out to McDonald's or what is your consistency plan for, for getting your lunch? So I think that's um, what you just said of like having some 
like small guidelines around what you are going to eat. So, okay, I'm always going to have protein first and then veggies, um, you know, whatever your options are, you know, kind of have, you know, to have that guideline instead of just kind of eating whatever, just because you made one small mistake. Mm. What about the flip of that? This is one I think it's quite difficult for competitors to navigate in the post-com phase. And that is, is that they have a plan in place. They intend to eat a certain amount. They're adhering to that flexible sort of framework that they generally are. But then late in the afternoon, they get the invite to dinner, you know, and it's, mm. it's almost like the, oh no, I've already kind of already eaten all my calories. And we don't want them to miss that social outing, but maybe what, what's some of the, I suppose, strategies they could use in that instance? Because I think that's probably pretty common. This is post-comp, right? This isn't post-comp. like leading into a show. Post-comp, yeah. yeah. Oh, after, after the show, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, after okay. the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would say that you should go if it's important to you enough to go, I think always like just thinking like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should all the time. So if it is like a group of friends or a family that, that is important for you to go, um, go (laughs) and then just make the best choices you can. Like, like post-show, I think, is like you should enjoy the people you're with, um, share foods if you want to, um, and then always um, order something that's going to make you feel good afterwards. So again, like not not one dinner is going to make or break anything. Mm. One thing that I think it was the second podcast you brought up, I call it the Chelsea scale, and I teach it to so many people, (laughs) and I call it the Chelsea scale because you introduced me to the idea, um, is to score how much you want something on a scale of one to 10, removing the seven. You you remember teaching us this in the second podcast. So we remove the seven because the seven is like ambiguous. It's not really high or low. I don't really not want it. I don't really want it. So you think, do I want to go to this social event, a two out of 10 or an eight or a nine out of 10? And if you really want to go, if it's like an eight or above, maybe you should go. If it's like a six or below, like, yeah, take it or leave it. Yeah. And you can do it for a food craving. I was about to say the same thing when they go to dinner, they could ask themselves that. Do I want this burger? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then similarly, they could even ask themselves, if I do want the burger at an eight, do I want to potentially manipulate my behaviors the next day? Yeah. Do I want to just have a protein and vegetable day? Yeah. If, if we were saying that was the way to go, or it's just a recognition that, Hey, like you said, it's consistency. It's one meal. Mm. Yeah. One meal ain't going to do squat. I use the Chelsea scale all the time like <laughs> I I need I still have 2,000 steps left to do I really want to stay on the couch on a scale of one to ten how much do I want to stay on the couch uh, just go for the damn walk like you know <laughs> or I walk past the kitchen and I know there's really good wafers they have here in Istanbul I was like oh I want two more wafers how much do I want those wafers yeah it's definitely not an eight or above I'm gonna leave them I honestly <laughs> I use the Chelsea scale Great. all the time <laughs> that works <laughs> I don't like the Chelsea scale because seven's my favorite number. <laughs> it's <not even> seven. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, Dean. David Beckham was number seven. Was he? Yeah. Dean has a point for David Beckham. I did, not anymore. Who doesn't? Me now. Who he? doesn't? See, there you go. Me? Yeah. I don't. He's too skinny for this. <laughs> yeah, it's not my flavor. Uh, uh, but also, like, having a guideline of how many times you will eat out. So, like, like, po- like post comp. I- 
I guess with me, at least I didn't want to feel like I didn't, I wanted to get over like the feelings of being restricted as soon as I could. So I think helpful for me was to be able to go and order what I wanted to order at most places and like enjoy it and not feel like, oh, I have to have like steam, like get into the habit of like steam veggies and chicken. Like I, like I would before. Um, but that can easily become into a habit, especially as I was saying, like it's, it's summer. There's so many things to celebrate here. Um, and I don't necessarily want to say no to everything. So I would just kind of at the beginning of the week, like, okay, here are my goals for the week or for the month. Um, I'm going to allow myself to go out to eat this many times, this many times of how many times I can go out to eat it has to be, um, you know, like a foundational diet thing with the protein and veg first. And then this many times, probably one, I can have something that I just want to eat without having any guilt um, or, or feeling like restricted in any way. So that way I know, okay, I'm not going to go overboard, but I still am able to enjoy life. Hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you understood that it's not a switch between full restriction, which is comp prep and YOLO after it was like you played in the gray area. You mm. still went out, but sometimes there were still boundaries around what you chose off a menu. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it sounds sensible. You shook the all or nothing mindset. It wasn't like no more comp burgers only. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the opportunity for flexibility is super important within a framework. Like you've mentioned, yeah. uh, I typically for most of my guys actually last comp, there would be a note in most of their stuff that said one free meal per week macros tracked up to this prior to that meal so there was a calorie allotment appointment but i didn't care if they ate more or they ate less they're just like that's your meal you know and then yeah. it would be and you should have up to three semi-tracked meals eat, eaten out that probably aren't that accurate but you should at least try mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so that and, yeah. and then it was just this is your option you don't have to yeah. take it you don't you know whatever it may be some people would some people wouldn't um or it might have even been hey you get one day per week or two days per week where it's just protein and calories so then they can have some more like fattier food if they choose to have mm, some more So you gave them some autonomy. Yeah, and then each client would get their own version of that depending on what their preferences were. For people listening who can't really relate to the whole comp prep thing, maybe like you haven't competed before, we could also just draw a comparison to a fat loss phase. Like Chelsea's fat loss phase was just extreme because she got super duper lean for a competition. But uh, people have these same um, issues when they finish a diet, regardless yeah. if your diet was for a competition or just because you wanted to look good naked. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I hope this like, broadens the scope of yeah. who this is appropriate for. Yeah. And, and it's super important for those individuals because they're, they're typically going from trying to sustain. fat loss to a sustainable weight. Yeah. Mm. That they want to sustain as opposed to Chelsea, myself, other competitors where you've gone from X weight to a new weight and then you want to get back to roughly what X weight was. Yeah, Assuming you're trying to recover from the diet for a competition, mm. but for just a regular diet, you're trying to sustain the weight that you've lost. Yeah, so you yeah. need to find ways for these behaviours to, to drive these consistency outcomes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I think that you could probably give us tips for days. I, but, I um, could. Yeah. I just want to say one more tip before yeah. you trying to close this out, um, is, is to be solutions focused um, instead of instead of just like allowing the external environment to control you. So for example, I hear a lot of people say like, well, I can't do that because I don't have enough time. I have to look after the kids and I have to go to work and I, I can't do it or, um, you know, just some excuse like that. So 
of course, we can always throw those out there, but excuses sound best to the person making them. So it's just how can how can you make this work? If you had to, what what steps could you take to make this work? Um, and just always kind of keeping that in mind. Mm, solution focus is good. Mm. It's much nicer than my approach. What I say to people, I'm pretty sure I've seen Barack Obama go for a run every day. How busy really are you? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see presidents and prime ministers going for runs all the time. Yeah, but I mean, we're not taking this so far as to say, like, we know that it's not as easy for everyone, which I know we all acknowledge. Like people who have children or work multiple jobs or study and work, it is harder for them. But Chelsea, you're still saying you're still empowered, regardless of how busy you are. You can make something work, maybe not the optimal plan, but like, what can you do? Maybe you can't do 10,000 steps a day. Maybe you can do six. Can you do like, maybe that's the solution, just compromising on, on the goals. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, we're not trying to be 100% perfect. We're just trying to do the best we can with every day that we're given. And some days things are going to come up and life's going to be thrown at us. And then some days it's going to go exactly to plan. So as long as we're, you know, doing the best we can with the day that we have, overall, we're going to make progress. I want more of those days that go exactly to plan. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me where I can buy them. I would like more. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we like to wrap up an episode with how to be less shit tip. So if you had to send the listeners home with the take home point, how they could be less shit, what might that be? I mean, just thinking about everything that we talked about today, just to kind of wrap it up, like, I think have a plan. <laughs> That's kind of the first step on everything. Just have a plan um, and, and be, allow yourself to be flexible with that plan, but just know where you're going, have a direction. I think without a plan, a goal is just a dream. You know? And success is also unknown because you don't know what is successful. You don't yeah, like I want to get myself out of debt. Like, okay, sweet. What are you like? What's your plan? What are you going to do? If you just like, you just want to get out of debt and you, like, you don't have a budget or some sort of boundaries to spend within, like that's just a dream. Mm. So yeah, or the language after a fat loss phase is I, I want to try and maintain my new physique. Cool. How are you going to do that? <laughs> what steps are you going to good, take? Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anybody out there wants help with the plan, even just sort of a skeleton where they can fill in the details and, you know, you don't think coaching is for you, all of the coaches at Flex Success offer consultation calls. If you just want to jump on a call and we can get to know your goals, your individual needs, and we can give you some ideas. It's not that we're going to, I mean, unless you really need it, necessarily put the plan together for you, but just give you some ideas, something practical that will work for you. Help so. people find solutions. Yeah, help people find solutions. Exactly. So you can check out the consult link via the link in bio on Instagram or from the website. Um, but otherwise, thank you, Chelsea. I do think that all of that was really practical mm. information. And I hope that listeners aren't just like, that was interesting. I hope that you guys actually go ahead and decide what point do you think will work for you best? What are you going to implement? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you have something worth sharing with our audience today? It can be obscure or odd or totally normal and practical. Something worth sharing. Like what you did for 12 years at one point? Oh, so listeners, <laughs> we have a little questionnaire that we give to our guests, including Chelsea, <laughs> that says, like, what was the question? Tell us something interesting about you. You said that you were a baton twirler for 12 years. Yep, exactly. Share that. <laughs> um, 
I, th I think I'm, I never wanted to do dance. So that was just more of like a skill-based thing. And I got into it when I was young and I went all the way up until I was a senior in high school, which was too long. <laughs> as much as I loved it, it was getting embarrassing. So I had to, I had to cut it there. Um, I wasn't good enough to be like a baton roller for college. So you know, <laughs> to stop that. But it was really fun. Um, did a lot of talent shows, a lot of recitals, a lot of competitions. Do you have a video? Yeah, probably I'd somewhere. love to see one. Okay, I'll try do to you find have a, one Do you ever get this skill set out at parties? Yeah. Well, I don't, if, like, I can twirl a stick or something if, like, you were at a bonfire. Yeah. But, I mean, I would have to have something around to twirl. Yeah, so you don't travel around with your baton. And I do not. Engage, you know? That is a cool party trick, though. My party trick is that I can lick my elbow. Um, but yeah, I can. It's not supposed to be possible. Yeah, look, for yeah, those watching so. on YouTube, I'm going to rustle my mic a little bit here, but let's let's get it done. She does it easily, too. Oh. Wow. Yeah, no, hmm. like... Is that because your arms are shorter than they need to? Uh, no, like, she why, has the ability to push her shoulder backwards. I don't have short humeruses. I have pretty average lengths, length to humeruses. Yeah, I think, so for those only listening, what I do is I, with my right hand, I grab my left tricep and I sort of push my shoulder black back mm. and my scapula like goes all the way back. Oh. And I just, I just think I have really flexible <laughs> shoulders. Then, I can't, I can't, Go but ahead. I bet. I have a client that I think could do that. I'm going to ask her next I time I see her. I'm not even getting close. But I like your party trick better. No, Dean, you're so far away. <laughs> the baton twirling is much more impressive than my licking of the elbow. <laughs> That's a goodie. All right. <clears throat> Second last segment before we wrap it up. This is a hot to topic where we ask an opinion-based question. So there is no right or wrong. Just tell us well, what you it think. it depends on the debate. And, but first, we need to play you the hot to topic Please song. You may dance <laughs> to this song if you like. Did you know I was so good at singing? <laughs> I was waiting for you to bring the band. <laughs> yeah, you should have told that song. That would have been amazing. You definitely have a video. That oh, man, this would have gone like. <laughs> viral on youtube <laughs> for all the wrong reasons now dean has come up with a hot topic today mm. shoot it's competitor focused mm -hmm. and it's two parts chelsea what is your opinion on whether or not judges of bodybuilding competitions should be capable or allowed to coach those that compete in those shows Mm -hmm. that's part one and the conflict of interest is that the judge has an interest in scoring their client higher there's a bias yeah, at least bias. that exists to some extent okay that's question one what's question two i'll follow that up afterwards okay yeah shoot oh, okay. um no i don't think that they should be able to Right. I, I think, yeah, I think there's an unfair, an unfair advantage. We're all people like it's already a subjective sport. So just like the, you know, like even the more that you're exposed to something in real life, the more you like it, which is why like songs become more popular. It's not, it's not something we even do consciously. So yeah, I don't think that should be allowed because the, even the more you see the person, even if they aren't even deserving of winning because you're more familiar with them, it, it might get in your head. And I know there's like strict 
there is like um, strict like ways to judge each category, but the human bias can get in the way either way. Yeah. yeah. To play a devil's advocate, mm -hmm. what if the judge is removed from the table for the for the class in which their client is competing? Okay. Okay. So you're saying they're a judge of the show, but like maybe they're they would never judge bikini because they coach bikini athletes. Yes. Okay, I th that could be fine. Yeah, I don't see the problem with that. I do. Why? What is it? Because as a coach, it is almost always known who your clients are. Yeah. And I think regardless of the fact that the other judges are supposed to not have bias, it's still the oh, same situation that you were talking about before, Chelsea, that it's easy to go, oh, there's Chelsea's client, and then they get the opportunity for a call out before right. somebody else does So you're saying the other coaches would have, might have a preference the other for judges. the other judges, yeah. Who I think they can people. unconsciously look at individuals that they're aware of before mm. they look at individuals they've never seen before. Mm. And that can potentially uh, be a bit Oh, man, there's already so much politics surrounding bodybuilding. And also, like, people who are really popular on social media get in front of the judges through the judges' phone screen so mm -hmm. much. So this is just, like, another layer. Mm. Mm. So even then to expand on that a little bit further, most judges, I am under the uh, assumption, but I think it's the, I'm under the same belief, the belief that is the case, that it's generally a volunteer job. If not, it's paid very, very lightly. Mm -hmm. So are we or who are we to say that they can't earn a living and still then volunteer to be a judge if they're doing something that is otherwise like a nice thing for them to do? Because it's if there's a conflict of interest, even if you're a volunteer, then mm. perhaps you so should. You're saying you either have to decide to either be a coach or be a judge. Well, this Even though the judge doesn't pay. Ask Chelsea. This is Chelsea's hot topic. Mm. What do you think, Chelsea? Yeah, I don't know how much I don't know how much they're paid, but it, at least in the U.S., like there's um, a team of judges that are like the higher that you want to get in front of, um, and they're always they're always working, always traveling around. I don't know how much they get paid or anything, but I would assume they get paid something because they are like in a different city every mm. weekend of the year, and I can't imagine anybody would just volunteer all that time. But, um, but yeah, no, I don't, yeah. Like being a coach and being a judge are two different things. Like you can judge somebody, but not know how to bring them into that condition. Or you can say like these, I want to see you more, um, you know, more conditioned next, next time, but don't know how to work with the human body to get them conditioned. So I think it's two different skill sets anyway. Yeah. But, okay. But do you think that um, even though they're two different skill sets, there still might be a conflict of interest? Yeah, I don't think you should be able to be a judge in it. Mm. Neither do I, for the record. I also you've convinced me on like the yeah, yeah not judging you. Neither own. do I, because I, I even as an I would hate to be a judge, have a client who was unquestionably the best, or maybe even questionably the best, mm -hmm. and they win, and me feel like did they win because other of the people bias? even thought that it was the bias? Yeah, <clears throat> like I would hate to take that away from my athlete as mm. a coach. Mm -hmm. um, so I find it an odd uh, thing for a coach to uh, for a coach to want to do anyway. I can see why they might want to be a judge, but I just think like the the con of it is greater than the pro. Some coaches don't care, honestly. When I was um, prepping for a competition like a lifetime ago, weeks out from the comp, one of the judges asked me out. I was single at the time, so it wasn't sus for that reason. But um, I said no because I thought if I said yes and I do well in the competition, I'll always wonder 
if I did well because, you know, I, I accepted yeah. the answers. Depending so, on how good of a kiss you are, yes. And, <laughs> rate me on one to ten, Dean. How good of a kiss? No. <laughs> I'm not a judge. I'm not a judge. I'm a competitor. I compete with you and that's it. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. What's the second part of this question, Chelsea? The second part, I think, is maybe a little bit more boring, but is do we think that promoters of shows should be allowed to have contact with the judging panel? Yeah. So I don't understand this question. Why would that be a problem? Um, because promoters could potentially also influence the judging. How? Well, judging is typically done this way. They will have seven judges, just to pick it. The person who scores the highest is in... The competitor? The, the, no. The, oh, the judge. The judge that... who scores the highest and says, I think Dean's the best. Mm -hmm. And then as a number. And then the, the person who scores the lowest, they're both removed. Mm -hmm. And then it's a tally for the other five. Judges, yeah. Gotcha. And then at the end of that tally, the head judge has the opportunity to overrule anything he or she deems to be incorrect in their eyes. Mm -hmm. So technically, even though you've got five, six, seven judges, you can just have one judge make a decision. Right. All right. And it could be argued that maybe a promoter may try and influence a head judge because they're the ones that are usually going to be hiring if it's best for the show. Okay. So your question to Chelsea is... Should promoters be allowed near the judges during the shows? Or should they just stick to being that their promoter? Like, do you know that they try and... In, do you know of any scenario where a promoter has tried to influence a judge's decision? There's been instances where it seems like it may have happened. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I never knew about that either. I would have asked the same questions as Lizzie. Um, but I mean, yeah, any, it's already so subjective. So the more that we that we can make it less, um, you know, the politics of it less, I think is a good thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there would be a lot of pushback if they they someone tried to implement a rule where promoters weren't allowed to meet the judges during a show? Uh, if there was, I would question the promoters, promoters' intentions. If there was pushback. Yeah, mm. because why should they care? It's kind of like the whole, like, not that I'm suggesting that we should all be watched by the government, but should the government want to watch me, I'd probably be like, eh, whatever, I've got nothing to hide. But if I was a criminal, I'm probably going to get my back up against that. Mm. We're all criminals. We all speed a little bit. Yeah. So it depends on what kind of digging yeah. they're going to do. You know? I was going to mention other little petty crimes that I do, but I was like, probably shouldn't. <laughs> I can think of plenty, but I probably shouldn't. We'll speed a bit, push old ladies over. Yeah. <laughs> Drink <laughs> heroin. <laughs> Snort coffee. Well, that's, that's just weird. <laughs> I think snorting coffee should be illegal. That's so odd. <laughs> <laughs> I did do that on my first <laughs> You snorted coffee on your Yeah, I don't time. know why. Did you? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's funny. So this is in my previous marriage to Liz. Didn't have a box party. Did you know time. Dean was married before me? Mm -mm. Oh, hot to top, hot to top. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So we went away to this like surf camp, quick little story. Mm -hmm. And it was out like five hours from Brisbane in near um, uh, somewhere on the New South Wales coastline, right? And you get put into these shipping containers and you sleep there for two nights and then you learn how to surf over a couple of days and you have a big bonfire at a party. It was mad. Uh, but all of the typical Aussie surfy boys were the instructors and they were lads. So one day before our surf lesson, we were there getting hammered. And then just stupidly, as boys will do, Liz, boys will be boys. Do not say that. I did. Mm -hmm. um, we thought it'd be hilarious to snort coffee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone did thought it, thought it would be hilarious. And then we were like, that's ridiculous. But sure, why not? That would have been horrible. And then one of the, one of the surfing guys comes past and goes, you guys racking lines on the table? We're like, 
no, nah, it's just coffee. He's like, I can line me up, boys. And I'm like, okay. So this random... Was it Nescafe? Yeah. Okay. He just snorted coffee. He's like, all right, let's go, sir. <laughs> Why not? I snorted beer once. That's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> it is actually. It was a terrible idea. It, um, it felt yeah. like my nose was about to pop off. It yeah. was not fun. <laughs> and it was for no good reason. I just thought it would be funny. I was at, have you ever met my friend Lawrence? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was with Lawrence. Of course it was. Fucking with- <laughs> Lawrence. Lawrence gets up to no good. He's yeah. so funny. Um, all right. Final question of the show. Oh, would you rather? Would you yeah. rather snort coffee or squirt slightly spicy tomato sauce in your eye? Well, t- tomato sauce is never slight, spicy. But this, yeah. in this. Like scenario, hot sauce? So no, not, not like full sriracha, not like full Tabasco, but like oh. slightly spicy tomato sauce. Um, yeah, that one, I think. Really? Over snorting coffee? I've never snorted anything, so I like, I'm not sure how I'd react, but I can, I can handle something in, in my eye. I also wear contacts, so it kind of blocks. Okay. Like I can, I can chop onions without crying because of my so contacts. Is that yeah. why? Because I wear contacts too. I think so. Right. So you might. No, I, 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 I always thought Dean was broken and I was just a superior human, but maybe it's the contact lens <laughs> thing. Mm. I don't know. I would have caught Okay. Well, uh, chili, chili in the eye over a bit of coffee up the nose. It's just like drip coffee if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Except your body. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Chelsea, on that note, thank you so much for coming on. Another great episode. Um, great. Yeah, it was fun. Definitely do this again sometime soon. Sounds good. Definitely be snorting coffee on the next one. Yes. Let's not coffee on the next podcast recording. I know I don't want to ruin my new nose. <laughs> Dean got his nose fixed and yeah. Yeah, might ruin it. Oh, thanks for coming on, Chelsea. All right. Sounds good. Thanks.